sand through the hourglass. Today is the longest day of my life. Welcome back to the longest days of our lives, a 24 fan cast. I am one of your hosts, Jack Bauer, super fan, Mike Cushing. And I'm another one of your hosts, 24 sophomore, Curtis Perry. And I am Michael Howard, uh, Tony Almeida, super fan. I've come full circle. Okay. Getting work done. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, that's okay. So this is a recap of season one. We're just going to kind of talk through a little bit of what happened, how we felt during it, uh, some of our favorite moments. And uh, yeah, let, you know, let's start with Tony Almeida. Well, wait, I, I well think- before we get started, since we're not going to have any tiny clocks or dammits or voices above a middle C, I'm just going to need you just to tell us the drink every every once in a while. Just sure. so I don't forget. Um, you got it. Uh, drink. Oh, yeah, I guess. sweet. Okay. Yeah. Oh, good. Mm-hmm. There we go. Yeah. So let's start off with, I think, I think the character that y'all came the furthest on in this show was definitely Tony. I think for me, it was Terry, mostly because of, you know, past, you know, memories I had with the show. But talk to me about Tony Almeida, both of you. Uh, oh, there was so much hatred. Well, I mean, y- y- you pop on the screen. And I see a soul patch, right? And immediately I'm questioning everything you, about your life because you've made a bad life decision with regards to facial yeah. hair. So, mm-hmm. so how are you good at your job or anything else in life, right? And then, you know, you come off like an asshole to Jack. Uh, it just, it, none of it felt right at I first. Still maintain, I still maintain that he was all up in Jack's asshole when he did not need to be. That's fair. Correct. Well, I think, so Jack was his boss's boss. It wasn't even his I, boss. That's true. So I think Tony and you guys coming around on him is probably it's one of the biggest results of this show. Obviously, like very obviously only being shot as 13 episodes. And then they <laughs> added on like 11 more at the end because the I thought the first half of the season was just flat out amazing. Just like every part of it was great, mm-hmm. um, except for the whole Keith Palmer bullshit. But like. Tony was clearly there to be a thorn in Jack's side. And yes. then in the back half of the season when they like, oh, okay, no one like that. Oh, That's we all bad. need this guy to be likable. Like, also, everyone in the show is a mole or a <laughs> villain. So I guess we kind of need him to do some heavy lifting and be like not a shit <laughs> shithead. <laughs> yeah, no, he, he picked it up. He picked it up at the end. You know, we also had uh, old G Mace, you know, to, mm-hmm. to give us some... Uh, some kind of comic relief, some some snarky one-liners and stuff that that were great. But uh, Tony really was the only one actually getting shit done at CTU once the the back half of the season came around. Yeah, he did his job pretty much the whole season. He was a little bit, a little bit nosy mm-hmm. at the beginning. Yeah. No, but- he was like a fucking hall monitor for a little bit. Yeah. And then he and he also dimed out and called got got the lockdown initiated. Mm. Right. He's the reason Alberta Green showed up. Uh. So, so, so that was, that was an issue. Hey, uh, you brought up, um, the old G Mace and we'll, we'll, I, there's a question we have to get to, but, uh, I think Kush, the first light I saw in Tony Almeida is when he's drank out of that, that Cubs mug, right? <laughs> mm. They were turning around a little bit for me. Um, I think that was episode three or four. Yeah. And cause I remember I seen it and you seemed upset, like a little perturbed that there was something in this man that you couldn't hate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Except like there was that I hate like. 80% of Cubs fans. Let's just be honest. Living actually yeah. in Chicago and having to be around Cubs fans after Cubs games. Um, oh, is it is it I hard mean, for you, buddy? Is it tough? Bad. 
Hey, you, I didn't choose all the time like I did. Like you did. Yeah. <laughs> you chose that life, friend. For the listener, Curtis lives in close proximity to Wrigley Field. As in, I can hear the goddamn cheers when they hit a home run every game. Yeah. Uh, you live yeah. high enough up, though, so that no one's trying to pee on your windows or anything. So Correct. At least, at least Correct. you got that, that going that's, for you. That's, that's just, just, guys, just pee in the troughs in the bathroom. And it's, it's an experience. You know, we all, we all, we all get to do it. But sometimes I mean, somebody is, there for um, you sometimes? Somebody, some, sometimes somebody's swimming through it, you know, and you, you can't pee in it. That's true. That's a problem. Gross. <laughs> oh, this is bad and gross. <laughs> Come down to Wrigley Field. <laughs> well, so Curtis, since you're since you're the newbie on board here, yep. what are you, what are your impressions so far? I mean, like, obviously, the ending of the show made you feel some things, which I know is not your favorite. But <sighs> I, I, take me through your your roller coaster ride of emotions sack from this bullshit, sack of bullshit season. Um, so so because of all all the things that I'd heard about twenty four, um, from you guys and everybody else, you know, I expected literally like you know, um, taken. Or uh, like Olympus down, Olympus has fallen in TV show form. Like just constant action of this guy Jack Bauer doing work on terrorism. Um, and I didn't get that. Uh, I got an opening scene uh, that had no resolution whatsoever uh, and no meaning. Mm. So that was fun. <laughs> uh, I got a main character who did a lot of brooding and a lot of yelling, um, some killing. Um, he eventually got to where he needed to be mentally, uh, but I he had, he had like emotions and a little bit of depth. That's bullshit. I didn't ask for that. Uh, and I cared about his family, his wife and unborn child. I didn't care about Kim. Um, that was just rage. Uh, yeah. So it, it's it's it, it was a, it was an interesting season. It, it, it is it is a perfect origin story for Jack. Yeah. Um, I, I think. Sorry. Go ahead. Girl. No. So I think moving forward, like it's it's you know now for season two. That Jack has, you know, he's he's broken a little bit, but he's got Tony to at least be the Robin that he he smacks in the face all the time. Like, you know, he can at least believe in him because he actually went and saved his family a little bit. Uh, but we're going to get a whole new cast of characters in CTU, most likely. Um, and that's kind of interesting, right? I'm excited to see to see what happens there. Um, George Mason's going to be in charge of CTU. And as I was saying before, guys... Uh, we have not resolved the fact that George Mason laundered money for drug dealers. Uh, that was yeah, but he's, that, Palmer's going to take care of that. Say he helps save Palmer's life. That's just going to be yeah. It was like it was like it was like two hundred grand. Remember? It was you know? Yeah, yeah I mean, it was chump a pretty change. penny. Chump change. It's, I mean, it wasn't. It was some doubt as to that. Like it wasn't proven, right? I mean, like, Jack, Jack literally didn't... sent other agents to jail for taking money. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I. Hey, you know who needs rules? Nobody, nobody needs their job today. Um, and Jack also, I I learned that he's a he's a, he's a raging hypocrite when it comes to actual rules because he doesn't follow them. Um, no, you know he tranked his he tranked his boss because he was in the way uh, and did what he had to do. So yeah. we'll see. I'm, but y'all y'all go ahead and intervene. <laughs> no, so I'll just say I think I think the reason I to this day always love season one, even though it, like it is pretty uneven, especially like with the first half and second half. Um, and like the Palmer stuff, it was obviously fucking terrible. Um, but Curtis, like, you know, we've talked a little bit about this and you just mentioned it, that like, this was more of an origin story for Jack. Mm-hmm. And I think every other season from here on out is usually about him stopping like some like world ending plot kind of. And like, this was like the first thing that was like kind of 
just a personal like vendetta story rather you know even it had palmer involved but this was like just jack kind of leveling up like based on like just you know a personal threat which i i think that's that i always enjoy that in season one well this was so this was interesting it was interesting to watch this you know so far in the future right i mean this was 16 years ago like there weren't shows like this that actually had like kind of like the anti-hero the guy who is like has some depth but is also kind of morally gray you know it was like sopranos was on but it was on hbo right so it it, it had only been on for like a year or so this this is before hbo go i couldn't just steal my parents login and watch it this is this wasn't seen on like i guess network television and so it's no. kind of interesting to, to watch this and, and and kind of see this thing, you know, before shows like uh, uh, Breaking Bad or or stuff like that, that, you know, it was I mean, you could see why it was actually pretty critically acclaimed. It wasn't you know, it wasn't like a just some random show like people really liked the show. Yeah, and, I mean, let's <laughs> the show opens with them blowing up 400 people in a fucking plane right. and that gets talked about for two episodes and then never mentioned again yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. and i think that goes to show it's like i didn't need to hear about the plane like any other show would have been just like all about like the plane would have blown up would have been like the core of it and this was just like no nah, that's just getting the ball rolling so we can get to all this other shit which like at the time like it was a pretty audacious show and like i mean i think it's still i think it holds up even now yeah i mean if you go back i mean there there are shows throughout the years like before you know in the 80s and 90s that that had messy characters and messy endings but for the most part growing up every every hour-long episode had a happy ending right and every season definitely had a happy ending and everybody would go away and be like oh great except for like you know who shot jr and hill street Blues and stuff like that right but for the most part these shows were all clean at the end this is messy there's there's so many unresolved plot points um and and issues that need to be cleared up that you want to watch the next season but it doesn't make you feel good about what's going on right mm-hmm. we still have like, there's two assassins we have no idea where they are right jack's gonna have to deal with some serious fucking mental issues kim doesn't even know what's going on you know, um, but that's what people have. They've called this this part of, of the 2000s from 2000, I think, 20, 2012 or so, the golden age of television, because we had these these kind of screwed up characters and messy plot holes. You know, this is where you had you have Mad Men and Sopranos and Breaking Bad and The Wire and, and nothing is really clean. And 24 was was looks like it was a part of that. Like I didn't, I didn't watch it myself during that time, but it fits in with what was popular and what has been popular in TV. Um, now I think people are actually getting back into wanting resolved stories and happiness because we're a little bit down in the country right now. So people are like, don't give me sad shit. Um, <laughs> but <laughs> uh, Speaking of which, so as soon as we ended the episode last week, like I, I also felt pretty fucking bummed <laughs> and I just started watching the good place on Netflix. <laughs> yep. That show is I, a delight. Yeah, okay. No, it's guys, I, um, I didn't, I, I didn't even know. I forgot to tell you guys. I love that show. Um, it is it is a hidden gem. Yep. Um, I literally told Tammy the other day. Um, all I want to do right now is watch Janet talk for an hour. Um, <laughs> she's my favorite character on TV. Uh, there's no second place. <laughs> yeah, it's like it's just such a weird, lovely, like delightful show. Have you finished like, season so one, buddy? It's, it's what's that? Have you finished season one? Not yet. I think I have four more episodes. Yeah, yeah. Me and me and Rachel just like decided to binge watch like the first half of season one. 
uh, a couple weekends ago because we were like, you know what? There's not a lot. There's none of our shows that we watch are, are back. We don't really want to do a movie. We don't want to do a drama. I just want I just want something that's just going to it's going to be fun. Yep. Be you can watch good this. I, and fun. I watched that whole show in like three days. <laughs> I was I had to like I, like I had to uh, take care of my kids and uh, be at home. And I was just yep. It was awesome. Mm. I just like this is this is this is funny. It's gets easy, and I'm happy about it right now. Yeah, uh, if I that, wasn't spending approximately three to four hours a day shooting aliens in the dick in Destiny Two, I probably would have finished <laughs> uh, a good place in about yep quality, half an evening quality show. Uh, but yeah, so yeah. yeah, I mean that's the kind of stuff I think people want right now is kind of that fair. I mean, except for this is us that that show. Don't watch it if you don't want to feel things. Um, because makes you feel things. Uh, but, but yeah, but folks want lighter stuff now, and 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 back then it was more like give me something deeper, uh, something to actually you know care about. Everything was so I don't know such such bullshit back in two thousand two thousand one until nine eleven. <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, quick, and, fellas, and I'll say, a, sorry. Go ahead. I was just gonna say take a drink for a tiny clock, oh, okay. and then also uh, we can circle back around, but also take a drink for. Your hero and mine, Mr. Ira Gaines. Oh, the greatest man. TV villain of all mm-hmm. time. Just 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 cool. Easy. Guy you wanna, you know, have a beer with. Yeah, and I think if they had actually had a full season planned out, I don't think there's any any way in hell they kill Ira Gaines. No. No, because they'll leave you with Andre Drazen. Come on, man. Yeah. And Kevin. Like Kevin for three more episodes after after Ira, you who know, is a delight. You know who Andre Drazen reminded me of I, I, it. Finally came to me. Reminds me of also named Andre from the league, Paul Shear. Kinda, yeah, right. Yeah, it's just like a little. He's a dweeb. Right? He's a certified nerd. Yeah, dweeb. I'm surprised he didn't show up with a little uh, like uh, suede fedora or something. What happened to Curtis? Did he die? Curtis maybe died. Is he watching Sully again? God damn this dude. You can't watch Sully again, Curtis. Well, he had to, you know what? It's the it's the recap. So he's got to recap the it's whole time thing. Started. Yeah. The fact that you hate the greatest living actor. <sighs> there he is. He's back. Hey hey buddy, keep, keep what the party what, going? What happened to you? I had some oh, sneezes. Oh, okay. What's going on? It's okay. Little sniffles. Yeah, no, I, I was commenting on your uh, your movie of choice. Oh, feel feel good hit of the summer. I mean, come of on, twenty sixteen. Come on, man. You, that had to be a choice. Dan Sully Sullenberger. A tour de force from the greatest actor to ever live, Tomilton Hankleberry the Third. <laughs> <laughs> I actually just want this podcast to be you coming up with alternate answers. <laughs> <laughs> I, uh, I can, yeah, I can keep it going. I can keep it going. No, we're good. Tomas um, Hanksford. <laughs> Hanksford charcoal. <laughs> Tomas Hanksford remembers. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, uh, let's talk about some, uh, like, favorite moments from this season. Or, or, like, things that just made you be like, holy shit. Because I remember the first time I saw this season, when Jack shoots Nina, I... <laughs> Right, kind of lost my shit. I was like, "Oh my god, he actually did it!" It was like, "There's that moment." It's about five minutes where you just think that Jack killed like his lover, coworker, fellow agent, just to like save his his daughter. Which I don't know what I would do in that situation, but I thought he did it, and that was like the first thing I remember seeing the show. It's like, "Oh damn, the show's not playing around." 
Yeah, I mean, that for sure. I mean, just the first episode, though. I mean, you're like, oh, okay, you know, there's a clearly a creepy, you know, kind of terrorist type plot going on. She's going to steal whatever key car, whatever. And it's just like, holy fucking shit, they blew up a 747. Yeah. That yeah, was that like in the me. opening fucking scene. No. It was like, I mean, the opening scene was that dude in Kuala Lumpur, which still pisses me off. All right? You tell me what's happening in the old Lumpur. So I think the, the episode one ends with Mandy parachuting out of the, right. the exploding. Sorry, plane. the opening, sorry, like the opening, I guess, uh, salvo of the yeah. season. Um, yeah, because I remember episode two, I asked the question, why Mandy naked, though? Because she was in the desert, naked, for some reason. She was naked. I do like that Mandy took the time to get laid. Before blowing up the plane, like she she sent Martin Belkin off on a high note, which was that's nice. that was kind of her, right? Yeah. You so know, Curtis, yeah, that died happy. So according to the Wikia for twenty four, mm-hmm. the person on the phone in Kuala Lumpur has a name. His name is Victor Rovner, okay. uh, and apparently, when he opens a laptop computer, he's connecting to a CTU database and transmitting a file to someone. So. I don't know if that's supposed to be maybe the file that ended up disappearing that our our boy in New Orleans had to uh had to find. Wait or a minute. The files was, are in the computer? The the files are in the computer. Uh, so he had nope. to get them out and maybe Still they not. meant maybe they were maybe they were going to Ira, maybe Still they were not. going to Victor or I mean uh, Andre. Still not resolved. I don't like it. <laughs> I don't uh I don't like it. I'm not a fan of it. Um, he was a CIA informant and a freelance dealer in arms, drugs, and information who did most of his work out of the Czech Republic, according to the findings that CTU, in case you're wondering. That that has no ties to Serbia uh, or what happened. Oh, shit. In this situation. According, according to the Wikia, mm-hmm. the man in Kuala Lumpur was transmitting the information to CTU Los Angeles that a professional assassin was on his way to kill David Palmer. Yeah, we knew that. So, so that's the that, resolution. So creepy snipefish is from Kuala Lumpur, you know, or or the shadowy organization that ordered the hit. That is the one that Nina was talking to at the end of the episode. They could be from Kuala Lumpur. So it was the Germans. I'm just kidding. Well, I was the Germans. I mean, it was just some shadowy organization that was routing her through Germany. Mm-hmm. You know, could be anybody at this point. Um, but yeah, let's see. Um, least favorite moment of the show. Kim? Yeah, obviously Kim. So much <laughs> Kim. Kim or anything with the, to do with the Palmers. Uh, oh yeah, fuck. It's hard. Oh man. Least favorite. Is it one of the Kim moments or one of the Palmer moments? I think it was when Sherry betrayed my trust and told them to let Kim die. Um, cause like, I, I knew it was coming. I, I, I forgot exactly how it happened, but I, I kind of knew that they turned Sherry like fully dark side at some point <laughs> in the season. And like up until that moment, when she was just like at, you know, 1130 at night, she's like, no, you got to let that bitch die, David. You can't, you can't ruin your career. <laughs> no, that was when I was like, that really <sighs> Sherry let me down there, which is a bummer. My least favorite moment is the last scene in the, in, in this, in the season. Uh, and and when uh, when Kim tried to was yelling at Jack about saving Rick, 
mm. when he was trying to save Kim and Terry in that that abandoned uh, tower there at the, in, yeah, at the compound. My, that was real stupid. My, my was, least favorite moment was when Kim didn't get caught with a sniper's bullet by being an idiot. That was I really wish that had just that had been the end of the season, the like the the half season on episode thirteen. Just oh, Kim's dead. Uh, one of my least favorite parts was basically anything involving Keith, but specifically that terrible conversation he had with Carl, like at the uh the planetarium or observatory. The, the, the observatory, yeah. Yeah. I mean like it was just so fucking dumb. That was bad. Um all of Terry and Eli um yeah, that whole God. sexual assault yeah. storyline was very yep. bad. Yep. Uh the the cherry on that little thing was Terry having to explain to Kim that her being pregnant was not caused by Eli an hour and a half previous. Yeah. That was just yeah, I cemented mean, my hatred for Kim even more. The the whole sexual assault, I guess, subplots um, were pretty bad. It was unnecessary. It was. Yeah. It was. It just, it was... It, it was, was like you had some writer in the room who was like, what is the thing that can make these men in the show, like, the angriest? Yeah, that's the, it was it sucks cuz like Terry had her agency taken away at pretty much every moment mm-hmm. possible in this show like even at the end like she just happened to overhear a conversation and had to be killed. I mean, like, to be fair, I mean but she she vol- I mean she saved them because originally they were going to rape a child. Yeah. Right. That was literally what they were going to do for some reason and she decided to save her own child because that's uh, what you do and uh. yeah, see and it was unnecessary cuz it's not like it's not like there was any question about, like, the morality of these terrorists. Like, Eli was clearly a shit human being. We didn't need them to, like, point out that he was even more of a shit human being. Like, And I think the, I think the thing that bothered me, not, not the most about it, it was just shitty, but, like, the rest of Gaines' organization is, like, he, everything he did was efficient and, like, clockwork and super planned out and, like, to me, there's no place for someone like Eli in that organization. Like, no. Gaines is just like an emotionless, just like, listen, I'm going to do this. I know it's going to hurt you. I'm going to do whatever it takes just because I need to get my job done. Mm-hmm. And having one of his underlings, I'm like, I'm sure he didn't know about it, but like having Eli, a guy who would, you know, rape a child and then her mom after that, like in that organization just doesn't even seem to fit like I, I, it just seemed like that lazy writer's choice just to kind of create that yeah tension. and i think i mean there's been an issue with writing and tv and this in 24 fits the trope that also goes with breaking bad and with um mad men like they force you to have negative emotions about a lot of female characters um or put them into damsel in distress positions right like sherry you know both these women are mothers who will do anything to protect their children and either one of them's a a super bitch that you're supposed to see her as who will who will just kill a child to do it or there's this lady who just has to she literally is fainting because thinks her kid's dead and, and can't do anything for herself and has to be saved constantly and then at the end of it she can't be saved right right it's this trope of just these 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 weak female characters hopefully um nina next season will provide some more depth um in the in, in that department and, and we'll, we'll see uh, I'm hoping to get some some better female characters who kind of provide a little more than just uh like surface play. So well, I think on on one I think on one front on that you're going to be pleasantly surprised. <laughs> on another, Kim still exists. Yeah. God damn it! <laughs> so I guess I so knowing that Nina ended up being the the mole the mole at CTU. Yeah, I watched this with a different eye. Right, I was kind of looking for any types of cracks 
right as we were going on as to or like anything hinting at nina um and i i don't feel like i don't feel like it was there until much later in the season yeah i don't do you think that they originally had her as like the a mole but like when they first were writing this 13 episodes no i don't think think so so. yeah because i mean again like the biggest plot hole to me in the entire show if you look at it as a full season is that Gaines did not know about Nina. Yeah. Which, if she was the ultimate mole feeding them all the information and, like, really... I mean, I don't know if she set up Jamie Farrell. I don't think she did. She definitely killed her. Um, It seemed like Gaines only knew about Jamie, had no idea about Nina. And that, to me, is the biggest plot point. If, like, the Draysons needed him to succeed and kill Jack and kill, you know, kidnap his his wife and daughter, like... Nina, he should have known about Nina, which means I, I think the writers didn't yet know about Nina being right. The but Ira is clearly a a local terrorist, right? He he's from the United States. He had no ties to overseas. He's just a mercenary. They needed someone to do some work in the United States. It was him and Kevin, and like Nina's clearly from some other organization overseas. And is on a larger payroll that it goes even beyond the Drazen. So, like, I mean, I could see where they would keep Nina separate from from Ira in case things went pear shaped with Ira, which they did. And it is important to remember, like, like the the key card that Jack gets from Richard Walsh by way of poor Scotty. he, you know, Richard Walsh tells Jack that whoever's signature is on the card is the dirty agent, and it is Nina's yeah. signature. Yep. Like, um, so maybe they did. I mean, like the signs were there from the beginning, and I think Nina was just good enough that she was able to evade that uh, suspicion. Um, but yeah, I was. Tr- I kept trying to watch it and be like, okay, is she helping Jack to help Jack, or is she helping Jack to like get the plot going, or like does she care about Jack? And it was it was tough. It was tough watching it and like. Seeing Jack put so much trust in her, knowing that she was basically going to not only betray him and his trust, but then murder his wife. Yeah. And she did purposely bring Kim and Terry to the safe house and then left very suspiciously <laughs> right. right before it, the attack happened. I, I, began, like she, I began to suspect her when she started to essentially, she needed to know where Terry and Kim were at all times and got very upset when she didn't know where they were. Not if yeah. they were safe, but where they were. Um, that's what I started to think that she's probably the mole. Like, she's just like, I can't understand why they're not here. You know, where, where are they at right now? It's like, oh, see, she's, she was getting pissed at one point, not concerned, but upset. Um, when, when Tony just brought back Terry and didn't know where Kim was. And it's just, so yeah, it was, uh, she started, she showed cracks at the end, but at the beginning she was, yeah, it was, I don't think they had it in, in mind at all. Mm. Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, uh, I'm more excited about what she's going to become in the later, like, you know, if she's going to be in prison, like, what? I don't think they can put her, like, just away at this point. Is Jack going to okay. get to torture her is the big question. I, Jack's, I just feel, I, I mean, and you guys know, but I, in my mind, Jack's going to kill Nina. It, it may be because she's, she escaped or something. I just, I think, I don't think he can, he can not do it. Um, Eventually she got to die. So, you know, we'll see. All right. Um, well, uh, you know, we don't want to take up too much time here, but Curtis, big predictions for season two. What do you, what do you think? I need to, I need to hear. (sighs) God, so much crazy. Um, Palmer's going to win the the White House. Stupid (laughs) shit. He's going to be, he's going to be a stupid president. 
president and all dumb. Um, <laughs> uh, let's see. Let's see. So this was post 9-11, right? Season two. Yeah. Yeah. So think about how that might shape. Uh, oh, I'm going to guess that our, our antagonist, they might be. <laughs> Hang on with me here, fellas. They might be brown of some sort. It's going hmm. to. Wait, was this post? Was it filmed post 9-11? Yeah, because because it says well, actually, it says it debuted October twenty ninth two thousand two, so that's a year yeah. after. Well, yeah, okay, so it was probably filmed, I guess, yeah, earlier the, in the year two thousand two. Okay, yeah, yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah. So and there might be some brown nation of the bad guys uh, moving forward. Um, I'm guessing that we'll have a higher body count. Just gonna say it. <laughs> um, yeah, and some real dumb Kim. Yeah, that one. Mm. Yeah, Kim has a day here. It's pretty bad. Uh, I can't even. Yeah, you nailed that one, buddy. Yeah, you, you're probably three for three on that. <laughs> oh, great. I'm excited about the dumb Kim. I don't actually know if the villains of season two are brown. I forget. Um... um... I am pretty sure season four is. I'm reading. Uh, I'm reading the uh, the wikia here, and it, it at least one of them. Okay, fair enough. Yeah, maybe, there were no maybe. Browns this year. Well, it's because no. the, the Russians were still evil. Yeah, this is pre nine eleven world. Bless you, buddy. <sighs> it's a weird. It's a weird night, y'all. It's weird <laughs> night. All right, fellas. Well, I think uh, you know we don't want to linger too much, but uh, just any closing thoughts, Curtis, so that you uh, you just want to share. With the world. I don't want to feel any more feelings. Okay? I'm done. Man, the first five minutes of season two, when you see Jack Bauer's sweet, sweet face, you're going to feel all the feelings. Mm-hmm. Mostly just pure primal manliness. Yeah. But and probably we'll like at least two boners. Yeah. I don't want, I don't want to do it. Give me two. <laughs> Michael, any closing thoughts? Uh, no, I'm excited for season two. Uh, I remember season two being one of my favorites. So I think we remember season two being one of our favorites because that was the one that we almost always watched during the drinking games uh, we do okay. yeah. on Monday nights after each episode. And I'm pretty sure we watched the same four episodes like a dozen times because you idiots would invariably get drunk after one episode and I would be waiting up to like three and then we would just keep rewinding. So yeah, I think it took us but there three years good, to get through one There season. are some good kills in season two. One of my favorites. Some good Jack uh, Bauer it, kills. There's the the stuff with with Kim is is awful, but awesome at the same time for a little bit. I think my biggest problem. I don't want to. No, <laughs> never mind. I'll, nope, I'll, don't I'll, do it. I don't want to know. I'll, I'll save this till till the end. Um, what I want to know is season two. Which Hollywood giant are you going to insult for this season? Mm. Well, luckily, Mister Tom Hanks has a healthy catalog for you to uh, just. Put right in my eye peepers every are, every night we do this. You are going to continue to insult Th- Thomas Hanksberry. <laughs> you let the record show multiple times. I can't believe I'm going to fucking say this again. I love Tom Hanks. I have at no point did I insult him. Is that like like Ike like loves Tina? <laughs> I say I love you with my fists. <laughs> um, no, I just said choosing Sully is the most boring possible choice for Tom Hanks. And that's all. That's the last time I'm going to say that ever. Fuck you guys. I don't believe you. <laughs> uh, anyway, I would watch. This week. I would watch Tomston Hanks Stowe 
three fifth, the fifth, <laughs> play himself for five hours. I would also watch that. I'm Tem- pretty sure Temopolis, I have. He's done a lot Hank, of documentaries. Hank Yeah. The Greek Greek time Hanks. So for you hey. to insult Tomden, God of Thunder, <laughs> in my presence. My neighborhood? It hurts. I don't think so. It hurts on the inside, and it hurts all of our fan. Okay? For you to you know insult fan? Thumbbuddy fucking Special Hanks. Jesus. You know what's hurting our fan? This conversation that we've had no, for like the fourth no. fucking time. No, they love it. This is what we do. I have this a is... very important question. Mm-hmm. Break Shoot. it down for me. So apparently the 24 video game. No, don't talk about it. I'm just saying it <laughs> takes place between or it. it the, the stuff in it supposedly takes place between, between two, and two and three. So are we going to have to play and talk about the entire video game? Between yeah. seasons, should, no, you know what? We'll just do let's plays on it. Ooh, okay, okay, I'm in. Um, I'll buy. I'll need to buy a PS2. <laughs> shit. <laughs> I'm hoping they'll have like an emulator or something by then. Yeah, I think Most I have a backwards compatible PS3. Should work. Perfect. I think let's so. Do this thing. Um, it's yeah. a bad game. <laughs> Is it bad? Uh, well, it's bad, and it also almost got me. Well, I almost dropped out of college because I went to Michael's house and played it all the time. Yep. So it didn't go to class. So it's good. So it's a good. It was a good game. Yeah. So also Michael had beer. <laughs> so it's the it's the Latomathan no Hank spot of video games. I hate you guys so much. <laughs> I don't. You're the. I'm trying to. I'm I'm in hell. It's I'm the in Tommy. Hell and you are the the Tommy oh, two Hanks. I'm in the Hank circle of hell, and you're the goddamn devil. The, vi- the violent Tom. Anyway, fellas, thanks for joining me for another great, lovely week of the longest days of our lives. Thanks for listening, y'all. Oh, God. Thanks for the Um, memories. (laughs) Take you to my Hank's place. (laughs) Um, If you like this show, (laughs) fuck you, first of all. Um, But ladies, you know you can can rein in that belly fat if you wear them Hanks. Jesus. You can find out more information about this show at goodbuddymedia.com. Uh, <laughs> you can also find out information about our sister show, uh, Trends in Low Places, in which Michael and I talk about dumb internet stories. Um, and if you want to get in touch with us, you can uh, if you want to drop us a line or an idea for a show, or if you just want to share some uh, some Jack Bauer thoughts or your favorite Tom Hanks movie, uh, shoot us an email at goodbuddymedia at gmail.com. We check that all the time. We'd love to hear from uh, fans. So, uh, you know, go ahead and send us a message. And, uh, Curtis, how else can uh, folks help us out? Well, they can help us out by uh, finding us and subscribing to us on their podcast app of choice, uh, whether that be iTunes, Stitcher, Podbean, Podcast Addict, whatever you use to listen to podcasts, please subscribe to uh, Longest Days of Our Lives and Trends of the Little Places and review and rate us uh, and leave leave a comment. Uh, and that allows us to move up the charts and become a podcast juggernaut and continue to bring you this show and other dumbass shows for free, folks. Um, Michael, how can the folks help us out on the old social medias? Yeah, you can find us on Twitter and Facebook at LDuelCast, L-D-O-O-L cast. Um, and when you do and we post something, if you could retweet or share or comment on it, um, you know, that's a great way to get us out in front of a, a lot more people, um, and bring the show to the masses. So, um, 
And like Kush said, uh, you know, we do the other show, Trends in Low Places, and we have a banger of an episode coming up this week. So uh, with a special uh, guest appearance by a, an expert in something that we are very much not experts in. So, But we're very curious. <laughs> very curious. So, uh, you know, tune in for that um, if you haven't been already. And, uh, you know, be on the lookout for uh, for more shows and for season two of this one. Hey, Michael. Yeah. Would you say that that episode is in a league of its own? <laughs> it's, uh, you know what? Um, it makes a real splash. Ooh. Yeah. yeah. You could listen to it at a bachelor party. Uh, you know, me and Kush are really on that show. We're just like, we're really bosom buddies, I think. I feel like, I feel like this whole venture for us has become a money pit. Hmm. Turner and Hooch. (laughs) (laughs) Well, everyone, thanks for joining us this week. Uh, Fellas, it's been lovely talking with you, as always. I love you, buddy. Love you, too. (laughs) Fellas, we're running out of time. Toodles. Welcome back to The Longest Days of Our Lives, a 24 fan cast. I am one of your hosts, Mike Cushing. Nope. Oh, I'm a Jack Bauer super fan. I did it. I'm a super fan. That I'm a big old fan of Jack and all of his Bowers. I'm joined as always by... Rackham. Should I just start again? Yeah. We're, we're start too many goofs? Yeah, go ahead. You forget two words and this, damn it. This, this goes in at the end of the episode. You just have to put bloopers for the end of the season. It's going to be great. Go ahead. <laughs> All right. Whoop, whoop. Take three. <laughs> whoop, whoop.